All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Klepa, and on today's episode, we have Ted Baker, the CEO of Kalo. If you haven't heard of Kalo, Kalo is a is a brand really defined by their functional wedding ring, but they also have a diverse uh, selection of other products. Over the years, what they've done a really good job of is creating this brand awareness. When it started off, some people would say, hey, it's just a rubber wedding ring, but to them, they really try to define it as something more than that, and I think they've done a phenomenal job. So on today's episode, we dive into another number of subjects, including how you start a business, what it's like to potentially sell a business, and how you have to overcome different types of adversity to be successful as a CEO. Before we dive into the episode, just wanna let you know, if you're a gym owner out there, or a coach, and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, I'd highly, highly recommend it. For as low as 99 bucks a month, you can get what we use with all of our locations globally, curated by a group of experts with three different programs, uh, you know, session plans, daily workouts, daily warm-ups, daily videos, you name it, we can really help you out. So if you're a gym owner out there on Sunday and you're programming for your gym, stressing out a little bit, we could help you. For more information on that, shoot us an email to collective at nc.fit or go ahead and visit our Instagram, shoot us a direct message. We'd love to get you on a free trial. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. All right, guys. So here we are with Ted Baker from Kalo, but also from many other companies. Ted and I met um, years ago, like I, I said in the intro, and we're sitting here in the lobby and Laguna Beach, and we're going to chat a little bit of business and um, how you got to where you're at. How's that sound? Sounds great, man. So what I most know you for is Kalo. And perhaps you could explain to me, what is Kalo? Because I think it's one of the greatest inventions ever. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, first and foremost, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's awesome to be uh, taking the opportunity, a holiday weekend, but um, ripping ourselves away from our family to do a little bit of a business chat is always, always fun too. I got up this morning. My wife was like, where are you going at 8 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving? I was like, I'm going to see Jason. And she was like, hurry home. So uh, <laughs> it's nice to be here. Uh, beautiful, beautiful Laguna down the coast. I'm actually layered up like I'm going to... Um, you look like you're in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm three layers deep and I'm looking at you and you're like in thongs <laughs> and a t-shirt and there's some there's something strategically wrong with this disposition that we carry right now. Uh, but anyways, Kalo. So Kalo is an acronym, Quality Athletics Love and Outdoors. Um, I hope uh, most of your you know listeners know what Kalo is at this point, but if you don't, Kalo is... Uh, we, we began by creating a functional wedding band for an active lifestyle. And we've evolved that into um, what we call an active lifestyle company that our hero product is this, is this wedding band. Um, but we are so much more than that. Now we've just expanded the, the realm of what we do. And now we're more fitting into this ideology of family function, um, commitment, adventure. Uh, these are the, the, the kind of the pillars of the things that we are enacting for ourselves to, uh, to, to charge our company towards. So whereas five years ago when we started the company, we were just two, two dudes, myself and my uh, business partner, Casey holiday. We, um, both got married about the same time, both hated wearing wedding rings. I didn't wear one. He wore one. It got stolen. He lost one X, Y, Z, whatever. And then, uh, we created this idea of Kalo and we just wanted to make marriage cool again. We were like, marriage is awesome. We, um, we love being married. We want to represent our commitment, kind of flyer, 
flyer commitment flag, right? And neither one of us was doing it. So it started off as that. Um, <clears throat> and it has evolved into this idea of, you know, the next thing you do after you get married, what do you do? You have a kid, you get a dog, your life kind of takes this, this next course. I mean, when you're single, you're like, all I care about is me. I just need to survive. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to be out at a club. I'm going to go travel. I mean, I used to ride motorcycles all over the world. So like, that was my thing. I was really just worried about myself. You get married and all of a sudden, well, now you have all these other responsibilities. Your life just takes turns. And such as that, Kalo has taken a number of twists and turns to get from point A to, I'll call it like point F where we are today. <laughs> where you are now. Yeah. We're yeah. not even close to Z, but like maybe point F. So now we, we concentrate a lot more into the, the realm of family. We realized that nobody was really marketing to a family. People are, you know, we walk around uh, conventions and, you know, just the world in general and people are marketing towards certain niches, but nobody was really marketing to the guy or the gal that like was, that was enamored and, 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 and holding what was most powerful to their life as the first thing, you know, like what's more important than your family? I mean, like I'm sitting here with you, like what's more important? Right, nothing than, than yeah. your family, and and I, I assume most people are going to say that same thing. Yeah, and so you guys started, uh, you know, I remember when we first met, and uh, I don't know where, where my my killer rings in my room, but I I remember we, we met. And, Foul. Yeah, I, I kind of fly, fly a flag right now. And for You're a long, wearing a hat. It's okay. You have I'm wearing a hat. hat. And for a long time, you know, when when I first got married, I I I hated wearing my ring because it was so foreign to me. Yeah, and um, having the rubber. Or the silicone yeah, ring yeah, yeah. made it so much more comfortable for me. And so I want to back up a little bit because you guys really got into the space like in 2013, 14 yeah. was when you and Casey kind of got inspired to start this company. Now, what led you to that point? Because Kalo now has created you a, a ton of opportunities and a bunch of other people, right? Yes. So now you're sitting on the board of how many companies? A lot, like uh, yeah, I mean, ten between, plus, yeah, between between philanthropies and companies, over ten, yeah, over ten, yeah, right. You have you've had multiple opportunities to sell Kalo, which haven't worked, you know, gone fully through that challenge. Talk about, yeah, but how did we even get to that point? Because how did you start Kalo, and and what were you doing before that, and what gave you the confidence or the ability to think that you were going to actually make it? Uh, well, I mean. What is it? Uh, the the mind of a madman is often misread, or or whatever that quote is. <laughs> I don't um, know. The uh, I mean, what gave me the confidence? You know, before I uh, before I started Kalo and Casey and I got together, and it was really Casey's fault we started the company because I I at the time it, it all happened, I wasn't even interested in starting another company. I had I was experiencing an enormous amount of success what I was doing. Um, so I had a restaurant in Beverly Hills that I was operating. I had a little piece of that um, that I had gotten from from nothing in the past and just like working my way up in that. I, I was uh, acting. So living in Los Angeles, I moved to Los Angeles to get my, um, my JD and my MBA. Realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> Dropped out of law school. Got my MBA, financial systems you know, it just did all this crazy, uh, school stuff. All my friends went off to be, you know, vice presidents of banks or one thing or another. And then I started acting, um, because I just was kind of bored to be honest with you. I didn't know what I, what I really wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to go get a job nine to five. So I was working in a restaurant at the time. I was a bartender. And then I took that 
and I just expanded on it um, over the next 15 years. Uh, I spent the first couple of years not really, I was doing comedy. I was doing improv. I was one of those guys who would go out and I would perform like three times a week at, at different theaters in, in LA and just like be, yeah, that was the closest yeah. thing to a rush I could find. Yeah, I don't it, do drugs. I don't drink. I don't do any, all these other things. I played a lot of sports and, you know, in high school up, up into college and that was what I wanted to do. I wanted, I love that like feeling of a crowd kind of cheering for you. I mean, you, yeah, no, I, I, I don't I, need I, to tell you the, yeah. the, the rush you get from being in front of like thousands of people and like throwing stuff up over your head. Of course, I wasn't throwing anything over my head, but, um, so I became, uh, uh, this guy that was going around and doing improv. And Did you get then, paid, by the way? Yeah, of course. Made a lot of money. Doing improv? Well, doing improv made little made little to no money. But I mean, I got paid a lot as an actor. I mean, that led to, you know, being, you know, commercial after commercial. I think I had four Super Bowl commercials in a row. Really? Ridiculous like that, um, which are great. I mean, I made a ton of money on commercials. Well, before we leave improv, though, can you tell me, like, have you ever just had any really uncomfortable moments doing that? I mean, doing just, improv. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that, I imagine the, the you learn so much about yourself. Well, I say executives. I mean, I tell executives all the time, other guys who are CEOs and if they're doing any sort of public, I do a lot of public speaking. Now I go out and I'll speak to like a room of like 5,000. I've done like faith based conferences. I've done, you know, smaller entrepreneurial things, you know, talking to 500 people, talking to 5,000 people, talking to 50 people. Right. Um, I don't think there is, anything more valuable than the ability to get up in front of people and speak as a representative of a brand. So when I, uh, when I think back of all the things that I've done over my life, everything has kind of culminated in where I am today. And right. I, I, f I found a way to use every ounce of my history of my past to get to where I am. And when you ask a question, like, how did I have the confidence to do something like that I do right now? I mean, just quite frankly, it's, I was rejected for, a decade, four times a day from an array of casting directors <laughs> on a regular basis. You know, you're too tall, you're too short. You look like you're, you know, you, you look like you're Jewish. You don't look like you're Jewish enough. We need the, you know, like ridiculous amounts of rejection um, that go into being a actor uh, leads to an enormous amount of confidence um, to even be able to go into the room and, you know, and, and do your thing. So, uh, this I always knew I wanted to do business. I just didn't know how I, how I was going to get there. My my parents were business type people. My mother was an entrepreneur. My father started doing the the, the business with her when I was very young, and um, I mean that's kind of where I knew I wanted to go or into direction or production or or you know, something like business within entertainment. And now, you know, when Casey came to me and said, you know, in 2012 we were both just married, he's like, let's start a business for this. I was like, there's no way, dude. You're out of your mind. I'm I'm so busy right now. Like the best things in my life were just happening. I had just gotten married. Um, we had a kid. We, you know, the restaurant was very, very, very busy. I was making very good money there. I was more and more showing up on network television. So I was in TV shows, you know. Why would I want to leave everything I had aspired for 10 years to get to? And he was like, we can, we can do this. I'll do it with you, you know. And his energy of that made me be like, I mean, fuck it, let's do this, you know? Right. And it turned into he and I sitting at my dining room table just kind of like panning this out until we realized, holy shit, there's a lot of people that want this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you came into the market at a great time. No one else was doing it. You, no. you I mean, it was a genius idea, right? And I would imagine it's relatively low cost with, you know, good margins. And it's a it's something that's affordable enough for everybody, right? Because your price point's like <clears throat> around $20, 
our price point was uh, it started at twenty. Now we've grown it to like thirty four ninety five, and it's it's even because going. Because you can customize it. You can do all yeah, kinds all of the stuff. things you can do now. And and we've we've created our own polymers. I mean, it's not like we just did something. It's, we're not selling you two thousand twelve ideas now. We're selling you two thousand twenty ideas. Right. So um, it's two thousand eighteen. If you're listening, to this yeah. yeah. Well, l- l- before so you were an actor. You were stand up uh, improv. Yeah. And I assume you learned how to overcome adversity doing that a number of times. So in case you came to this idea and you had this successful restaurant, I mean, it was his passion that kind of fueled your decision to want to do it with him. Is that, is that what it was? Was that the defining characteristic? Well, it start, Well, first of all, so my wife was the one that looked at me and said, you need to wear a wedding ring. You need to figure it out. Okay. So then I went out and figured it out and brought it back to Casey, who we were ships passing in the night. And that's when he was like, we should, I mean, I figured it out for myself. And then he was like, we should start a business. You know, when he's like, we should start a business. It was his, it was his desire to like start a business and do something. I had started businesses in the past. I'd started businesses and failed. I'd had a children's clothing line that actually still kind of exists. Uh, it's metamorphed into something else though. Um, I'd started like a meat company back in the day, like an, internet, a meat company. an internet meat company. That sounds like, like a long a... time ago. Yeah. It was really was Uncle Ted's. It's called Uncle Ted's. <laughs> Uncle Ted's Uncle meat? Ted's Uncle Ted's barbecue. Is what no. How many companies did you start before you decided to, how many companies were you involved in or did you start before Kalo? Cause Kalo for lack of a better term has quote hit. Yeah. Right. It would be like, uh, you know, in it the, could hit better. <laughs> yeah, it can hit better. It can always hit better, but, but yeah, hitting. it's it's hitting great. It's hitting. Yes, we're very blessed. So before Kalo, how many companies did you start that didn't hit? Oh man, um, I mean companies probably. How many ideas did you have that didn't hit? Oh, I mean, come on, man. Like we're sitting here, we can <laughs> we can sit here right now and riff off 20, 20 business ideas. You and I in two seconds. Um, I mean, I still have 20 business ideas a day. People are like, what do you, I'm like, yeah, I had an idea for whatever. They're like, that's really good. Um, let's see. Uh, probably at least, probably four, probably like four, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, I started an entertainment company. I, I used to do DJs back in the day. I was a DJ when I was younger and then I took other DJs on and then I would hire them out. So that, that wasn't not like it was unsuccessful. It was just contingent upon me. Um, I started the meat company. I started, uh, this clothing company. I mean, like, yeah, probably four, four or five that just like, you know, tanked. So what do you think made it different when you started Kalo? What do you think you did different to make that a successful company compared to the meat company? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I can say, you know, a lot of times when I go out and speak, I, I, I'll walk into a convention or I'll walk into a, a setting and people will say, Ted, can you, can you fly here? And can you speak? I want you to speak for, 20 minutes, an hour or whatever on X, Y, or Z. Sometimes they just say, can you come and speak? And I'll just say, sure. And so I show up and I go, what do you want me to talk on? Cause I'm not a speech writer guy. The improv part of me is like, just get up and talk. Right. So I'll say, what do you want me to talk on? If they don't have anything specific that they want me to speak on, I normally choose to speak upon passion because there is no substitute for passion. And the reason why Kalo has been successful in my eyes is because there's nothing that myself and Casey were more passionate about than our wives and our families. And when you're going out and selling that passion, nothing compromises that. So, I mean, again, we were, Kalo in itself was a disruptive brand because we were trying to inspire people to trade in something that had some sort of emotional attachment to it and, and trade what some would call a piece of rubber, like yourself, a piece of rubber. Yet we're looking at this like 
take a step back where society societal changes and enamored us in the last like 10 years and like millennials and what's important to them and how everything is experiential now we're actually selling you this idea of take off your metal band put on something that not only costs less but it actually represents more and go against the grain and be different because normal is your nemesis right so like who wants to be normal don't you want to be part of a community and a culture that says something more about you than just a wedding band even though your wedding band is an amazing attribute to your your whole persona but if you're wearing a metal wedding band i know that you're married but if you're wearing a kalo ring i know you're married and you do something else and your family's so important to you that you don't want to ever take it off right so we're inviting you to be part of a culture that we've created that is bigger than just a bunch of married dudes well i remember when you guys first came out one of the things that you were really adamant about was it's not just a rubber band. No. It's, it's, it represents more than that. I think you guys have done a really good job staying in that direction. I remember the, the, the tagline when I was you know working with you guys was commitment is contagious. Yeah, right? that was my first tagline, commitment is contagious. And, and it really kind of stuck with me. Now, over the years, right, you started in 2014 and, and it's grown, grown, grown. I want to talk about how the company has grown and what's, the, what's one big hurdle as it's grown from a hundred thousand in sales to millions of dollars in sales. What would you say is something you could have done a little bit sooner that could have kind of set you up for a better success today? Or do you think you kind of hit them all? No, we've missed, we've missed so many things, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you just, as, as much as people are like, you should write a book. This is, this is, this is a dream come true. There's all these things that people want to talk about all the great stuff, whether I'm in magazines and they talk about, you know, like, we're in the Inc. 500 or whatever it is that we've accomplished. We still have dropped the ball so many times, man. But is there a time where you dropped the ball where you could look back on it and be like, ah, I could have avoided that if X. Uh, I would start with our, our, I mean, Oh man. See, I'm the guy. Casey would, Casey would be a good person to ask this because he'd be like, there's three things that maybe we would do differently. I'm like, there's a thousand. Um, I mean, one of the major ones is uh, going into a private equity transaction, um, going to sell the company. Terrible decision. Well, let's talk about that. Terrible so decision. So you're growing the business and it was you and then you had met Casey at your restaurant? Yeah. Well, no, I had met actually met Casey in, in acting class. In acting class? Yeah. But then you guys both worked at the restaurant. He was actually working at P.F. Chang's at the time and I was like, dude, what are you wasting your time at P.F. Chang's? Come and work for me. Come and work with me. And then I got him a job and he was, yeah. That's that, you know, again, like how do you write a story where you meet a dude at acting class who's also like 15 years younger than me and he's such a great human being that, you know, you just kind of like, you know, you have this kind of relationship with him that's like very, uh, like we weren't friends, I don't want to admit, like we were acquaintances, but we both like liked each other. And, you know, just out of sheer time and everything else, you don't have time to be friends with everybody you meet. So, and then to go from that point to where now we're, we're basically married, you know, through this business and, and, and others and how you get from point A to point B is so unique. There's no way you could write this story. I mean, the guy, when I met him, I met him to his mother, his mother, he and his mother took an acting, took the acting class together. I mean, how random is that? I've never, ever heard of a dude taking an acting class with his mom. To no. with. I mean, that, that alone is absurd. Right. Um, I had, I think I had, his mom's first scene was with me in class. We were like, had to cry on stage, like do all this crazy stuff. And I jokingly tell people now that he and my, he and 
me and his mother used to date, as I jokingly say that now, because I'm so much older than he than he is, um, which makes him very uncomfortable, which if he hears this, he'll be very uncomfortable, but it's all good. It's all fun. Um, so his mom and I kind of became kind of friendly. And then she was like, oh, my son. And I'm like, your son is in class with you? And then met him. And then, you know, a couple months later, he's like, yeah, I'm working. He's telling me what he's doing. And I'm like, that's terrible. I mean, everybody's a waiter in, in LA when you're an when aspiring, you're aspiring actor. actor. Yeah. yeah, He was actually doing more. Casey's true talent is actually producing things. Like he's an amazing content. Like he, I mean, filming things. That's what he did. He wasn't really, you know, there. I mean, he was an actor, but he was more interested, I believe, in behind the camera production direction than actual acting, where I was more interested in acting and then maybe wanted to do that one day. It was, we were kind of inverted. So, I mean, like the first videos we did, you know, we did them, he did them, he produced them, put them together, did all the storyboards and everything. I showed up and did whatever it was to do. But yeah, so that, that, that idea of how we got to where we are is super unique in itself. But, you know, so going from that point and then we're circling back to then he comes and works at the restaurant with me. We're working together. We become closer. And then to the point where he gets married, he got married before I did. He was 20, like 24 years old when he got married. I was like, you're getting married? You know, like, wow, that's, I mean, at the time I'm in my thirties. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're just jumping in, bro. Okay. Congratulations. Then I wind up getting married like a month later, two months later. Um, and as a result, you know, that, that luck, the luck of, you know, think of how many things had to happen yeah, to, to start you, Kalo. Well, to put you two in the same place oh at the same gosh, time. Oh my gosh, it's so and much you were, luck. you were having acting scenes with mom. Good thing there was no kissing scenes. <laughs> no, no kissing, no kissing, no kissing. Uh, so, so then you're, fast forward to how, so you guys got together, you guys started, you know, collaborating on the ring and then boom, four years later, there's opportunity to sell the company, right? Yeah, well, two years later, three years later. Two years later, three years yeah. later. Now, <clears throat> what would you, how did that process look like? So when we started the, started the business, we didn't have any money. I mean, like I had, I had a little bit of money. Casey had a little teeny bit of money and we kind of dumped everything we had in our, in our bank accounts into the, into the company. But in, in order to grow the business the way that we needed to scale it, we first and foremost kind of made deals with people, whether they were lawyers, whether they were manufacturing people, whether they were marketing people, we made deals with them to come in and help us. And I kind of just sold the idea of what the, what the company could hopefully become. And they came on and worked for sweat equity. And then, you know, they um, kind of helped us grow, if you will. Uh, eventually they started getting paid and it wasn't long. Luckily with Kalo, there wasn't a long period of like, they weren't working for four or five years for sweat equity. They were working for months until they started getting paid. Um, and most of them were doing this as secondary jobs as well. They were like tack on things they were doing. It wasn't like we were demanding people to, this was going to be their only source of you know revenue or anything like that. So we kind of farmed out a portion of the company after a couple of years of like what people consider explosive, you know, success, you know, a thousand percent growth, et cetera, et cetera. That turns into everybody wants a paycheck. They all want, let's, you know, here we're making X amount of revenue. We have right. X amount of EBITDA. Let's sell the company. Everybody get a paycheck and go. So that kind of led the idea of, well, maybe we should bring on a partner or private, maybe we should go through private equity or, or get an investment banker and see if we can sell the company. At the time in 2016, when we made that decision to do that, personally, I, I thought we were about 18 months away from getting to that point. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody saw basically a payday. And at that point, how many people were involved? Because I know, so lawyers, oh, marketing, how many, like, how many people did you give sweat equity to? 
Oh my gosh. Probably six. Six. Six other people. So and the company was broken down as we each had a third. There was a group of people that were all sweat equity that kinda uh-huh. had a third and Casey and I had each had a third. So the company okay. was broken up into that. So Casey and I controlled most of the company. We made all the, the business decisions. We were the managing partners. And um, if you could do it over again, right, would you have would you have split it third, third, third? Or do you think it should have been a different split, right? I mean, do you I don't think you can I I can't go back and argue that that doing it a different way. I think so many things happened because we did it that way that maybe possibly wouldn't have happened if we right. would have done it a different way. Right. That I'm not mad at the way we did it at all. Um, so I wouldn't change that aspect of it. Um, Casey being my equal partner, I would not change. The guys coming in and helping, I would not change. Um, these are guys, and I've always said that if you do business the right way, there's enough to go around. Right. You just have to really be cognizant about the manner in which you you handle yourself and everybody, you know, there's also emotion that gets in the way. There's ego that gets in the way and that evolution of finding out how, you know, everyone's ego fits together and how certain people are more emotional about certain things. All of that can be huge disruptors to the company and basically sink a company. I mean, I would literally say with the amount of success we've had today, there's probably five or six times that we should have gone out of business. That like literally things happened that could have absolutely sunk the company. And only by the sheer will of the participants and the people, everybody getting over whatever demons they had in their own pocket to see the greater good and the light, we were able to, you know, make the company what it is today and, and be moving in a very positive direction. But without a doubt, and, and I, I guess I'll go back to so many people um so many of my partners, my wife, whoever, they they criticize because I'm a huge face-to-face guy. I will fly, I've flown all over the world to sit down and have a conversation with someone face-to-face because I believe, look, when we were, you know, heavily engaged with one another, I would fly, I flew up to see you. Yeah. Most importantly, because you can't really understand um, a human being, I don't think, until you actually sit with them, break bread, have coffee, yeah. look them in the eye. Sense their body language, what's see, going on. Yeah, and right. see who they are. Because I, and I'm a bad phone person. On the phone, on the phone, I'm sure I come off like a complete prick. Just because my, na- just the way that my, my just the way that I, I, my brain moves to things I say. I'm very upfront, open kimono. Like I don't, I'm not going to hide things from you. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's startling to people. People get really like taken back. Because when you're on the phone with somebody, meeting, meeting them for the first time and they ask you a, what could be a very sensitive question and you tell them blatantly your answer, their normal, their normal um, response to that is, holy shit, this guy was just very honest with me. Is that good, bad, or ugly? Right. But if I have, but if I'm, if I'm sitting with you and you see my body language, when I tell you the truth, whether, you know, whatever it is, then it's much less, um, it's much more engaging. Yeah. It's a little less offensive. Yeah. You could, you understand where it's coming from. So you're going for the private equity deal. What was the big takeaway from the private equity, the first round, the first time you tried to sell the, you wanted to take on? Just unprepared. You know, you grow, when you grow a company as fast as we grew, you're never as prepared as you want to be. And so look, like the bottom line is I was a CFO of a company that was doing tens of millions of dollars of business. But Jason, I had no business being the CFO of a company <laughs> that was doing that. I like being the CEO is fine. Right. Being the CFO. Right. Well, I, I, you know, I was basically doing the numbers in my head to do everything we did for the first five, four, for the first four, three, four years of the business. And that was a huge mistake, a huge mistake. And 
you know, our investment banker, that's the other thing. You, you get an investment banker and all of a sudden you have this like, you know, the, and an investment banker is like a, is like an uncle that comes to Thanksgiving. You know, it's Thanksgiving right now. It's like he comes over and he's got all the answers to everything, but you're not quite sure if they're really the right answers, <laughs> right. but they are going to tell you that they're the right answers. And so you kind of got to take that all, you know, but you live in a trailer, right? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, okay, you're telling me what to do, but you live in a... So should I trust you necessarily? Like that uncle that comes into your home for Thanksgiving and starts telling everybody what to do, but then you're like... But you, right, but his lifestyle doesn't necessarily yeah, You've been that. divorced right. 16 times, right, have right, right, 20 right, right. you know kids unwed and you know are on welfare or whatever. I'm not sure if I want to take your advice, but they come in like, these are the things that you have to do. This is what you do to make this, you know, to get the most value. And then they try to coach you up and do all these things. And really, we're not a coach up group of guys. Like we don't need to be coached up. Like we're, we just actually, we just should have gone along our business and done what we were doing, made our, you know, made our hires, led ourselves by what we were drawn to and not try to, we did some revenue chasing, you know, like we had to hit a top line number. We had to hit a growth number. We did all these different things. We didn't hire a ton of people. Huge mistakes, just epic mistakes. Because you were chasing, so you were chasing a revenue number to try and get a X X evaluation. You're chasing a revenue number to get an EBITDA number. The EBITDA number is what you're valued off of. You know, then you were trying to maximize your value. The investment bankers want you to maximize your value because they get paid a percentage of whatever you get bought for. It's a very distorted transaction, if you will. And so, even when the transaction then comes complete. You've almost set yourself up in a in a poor position because you haven't been running the company in a, in a way. Oh, you've been running it like shit. It's in shambles, right. right? Shambles. And so you did that. You went through the sh- you you kind of try to minimize expense, maximize profitability mm-hmm. for this return, and you didn't do it. Yeah. And so then, how did you recover from that? How did the company recover from that? Eighteen's been a rough year. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we made a conscious decision to walk away from a transaction at the end of seventeen. Um, and how long did you work on that transaction? Months. 18, 18 months. months. 18 months. Yeah, it was hell. It was it was terrible. So for 18 months, your focus, for lack of better, you know. Was not running the company. It was right. like trying to sell the company oh. completely. So we, we, we sacrificed growth and vision and, and, and God knows what our soul, <laughs> I think my soul is a little more dead, um, to go after this that was going to, I mean, we would have made life-changing money, but. At the end of the day, I'm pretty happy. You know, like I like my life. My life is pretty rad. I'd like to see my kids more. I'd like to see my wife more. Um, I'd like to have more date nights. Um, but I love what I do. I'm pat, and again, like I'm passionate about what I do. Um, and now with the other things that I get involved with, I like to get involved with things that I'm passionate about. You know, like. Yeah, philanthropic efforts. Like yeah, the all the stuff, everything. Whether it's you know whether it's doing something with you know Eric Reese or doing something with with Z at Barbells or with twenty four seven commitment or with the firefighters with the law with you know the EMS memorial like all these things that you know you get involved in that you just you take a certain amount of pride in in doing it and that passion shows through. So with all my companies, whether it's whether it's for profit, non profit, whatever it is, that passion has to exist in my mind. So passion seems to be like a key thing. Now, when you're looking at your day, obviously commitment's really important to you and you've you've had to overcome adversity through a lot of different examples you've already brought up. But when it comes to your day, how do you segment out your day? What does that look like? What's a typical structured day look like for you? And how do you maximize your time you're putting into the business? 
yet still be um, around for the family? Oh, man. I have an awesome chief of staff. <laughs> I have uh, – so I have my assistant. I, I like refer to as my chief of staff. She, um, she schedules most everything for me now at this point. I mean like – and I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week. And they were explaining to me the overwhelming amount of um, stress they have going into just just maximizing each day. And I looked at the dude and I'm like, bro, you need an assistant. Like you need somebody to help you. You, We all, and he's like, yeah, but I took so much pride in doing it myself. I'm like, so did I. I took a ton of pride in like, no, I'm a CEO of a company and we do X amount of revenue. And I schedule my own day and whatever, but I am not productive at all. You know, my, and Casey was the first one in like 2014. He was like, I mean, he's my business partner. Like he's my work wife. And he's looking at me going, bro, you need an assistant. He's so like, what is the assistant you're just done scattered. for you to, to, to help you? And, and I mean, I imagine. I mean, so she does, uh, so she schedules pretty much, you know, like I don't spend time trying to fit people in or do one thing or another. She's, she's really set up my life. So I, at times, don't even know where I'm going next. She'll just like, if she's with me, she'll just take care of it. She's not with me every day. But so if she's with me, she'll handle it. If she's not with me, then she'll like send me, you know, here's your schedule. This is what you're doing. This is, this is the people you're meeting. Cause now I meet people all the time. I don't even know who I'm meeting until like, you know, an hour before I show up and she'll, she'll be like, this is the bio of the person you're meeting. So I can walk into the meeting knowing what I'm, who I'm meeting, what I'm talking about. Um, and that's both for Kalo stuff and non Kalo things. Right. Um, and when did you know you needed this? I mean, I fought it, man. I fought it. Casey was, you know, my here again, the, the partnership I have with my partner, he's like, you have to have this, you know? And until we got to the fact that I looked at him, I was like, you have to have this too. There's no way you can continue to do this. You're being unproductive. You lose. I mean, the big knock on Casey is the guy leaves his keys, his wallet, his coffee, his computer. He can't keep anything with him. He literally like, he just walks around the building and like leaves things. He's like, if you want to know where he's been, just like look at, the, look at, look for his stuff. Look for his stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's a trail. There's a trail wherever Casey goes. Um, but yeah, so now to maximize my time, you know, obviously I use my assistant. Um, the family thing is really tough for me because I do so much traveling. I mean, we opened a company in Germany. Um, we're building, we're building an office in Amsterdam right now. Um, so I spend time, you know, I spend time there. I think I, I'm in Asia, you know, we have manufacturing in Vietnam, China, and the U S now just for Kalo, um, that we are trying to figure out and source things from, um, I mean, it's, it's an endless, an endless, like kind of trip of, you know, I, fl I, I keep saying my flight, my flight time is going to go down and every year it just goes up. So, you know, making diamond on Delta was a huge thing in like 2014. And now I'm like, what's the next level? <laughs> like what comes after diamond? What's the next top thing you can do? Right. Um, but and so to maximize myself yeah. and to try to do things for my family, when I'm in the house, when I'm at home, when I'm in Southern California, I take a lot of pride and I get up with my kids um, and spend the morning you know, like I'll get up, check my phone, see what happened if anything came in from overseas or whatever. Get up with my daughter. She's four now, which is ridiculous to me. Um, we'll make breakfast. We'll do whatever it is you do. I try to let my wife sleep um, as long as she possibly can, which is normally not that long. Any of you who have wives out there, I don't know what it is, but they don't sleep. Yeah. They, they I don't know what it is about a, the female composition, but they, 
Does Ashley sleep? No, when 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 the kids are around, she doesn't sleep as well. It's crazy. If we're on like if we're traveling, we don't have the kids around. She sleeps like different. A, like, I don't understand. It's like built into their DNA. Every day I go to my wife. Did you sleep last night? She's like, not real. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And she, I'm like, you so desperately need sleep. Uh, so I try to spend the mornings. Um, my uh, my assistant normally she comes to the house in the morning, so she normally arrives between eight and eight thirty. Um, and by that time, I've started taking calls where I have my first call. Like if I talk to, if I'm speaking to Europe, a lot of times I'll talk like at seven or eight in the morning. So I will have been into something at that point. And then I'm kind of running for the day. I kind of race the day through, um, always, you know, pre-meetings, um, at Kalo or, uh, like lunches, whatever it might be. Do you schedule a workout in there? No, I don't. I, I, my workout, to be honest with you, my workout is scheduled when, um, so we have a gym. As you know, in our office, we've been very lucky enough to put a gym in our office, and there's a big picture of you up in it. Actually, oh, very intimidating. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and uh, we, my workouts are generally scheduled. If I travel, I schedule a workout because normally, if I travel, it's my opportunity because I don't have the kids, I don't have my wife, and all this other stuff. So if I travel, I try to make a workout. If I'm not traveling, I literally try to take 20 to 30 minutes in the middle of a day or. I try to sometimes I'll, I'll schedule like a meeting with my CFO who's a great dude and uh, an awesome, awesome asset to the company. I'll be like, let's go to the gym. Yeah. And he and I'll go like work out for like 30 minutes. And he's like my age. So we both can do similar, you know, like I'm not Casey's trying to throw, you know, Casey's the guy's throwing plates on a rack and trying to squat through the moon. And I'm like, ah, I just need to do some body weight stuff and get in sweat and get out. So I don't, so do you do that with your CFO then? So sometimes you'll set up meetings where you're actually moving and oh, absolutely. collaborating. Always. I'm yeah. always, I can't, I hate doing that. What we're doing right now is like, if we could be walking right now, it would be amazing. Casey and I used to take our meetings and we used to walk around. So when we first started, we had no, like we, there was like eight people in a, uh, there's like eight people in a, like a 250, square foot office and so there was no way to speak yeah so we would meet and we would take walks around the block to meet and i loved the movement because uh, going yeah. back to acting and improv and how your mind i think your mind works differently when you're moving as well so yeah. like the movement and the just the the energy around you from doing it you you just kind of it brings something else to life so you know we'll my cfo and i will take a jog we'll talk while we're jogging we'll come back we'll do a workout in the midst of the workout you're not having a lot of talk but like, like pre and after it always bookends with business right so the the 24 minutes that we're doing an amrap right you know whatever you're focused trying on that. you're focused trying not to vomit uh and the rest of the time we then we kind of bookend it with stuff which is huge so that's how I get most of my workouts in. If I'm lucky to work out now twice a week, I mean, it used to be a dude that worked out not at probably as much as you, but I would, I mean, when I was acting, that was my job. My job was to like whatever. So I was working out three, four hours a day. I mean, I would do yoga. I would do a boot camp. I would go to the gym. And that's what I did every single day. And now I'm just, you know, but if you saw, I mean, like now I'm gray. Oh, come on, man. You you're know, looking good. I'm, you got that, that silver no, fox. You're yeah, looking, I'm, you're right. I'm well past it. I would never win my wife now. My wife would look at me and be like, we're not dating. I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know who you are. Good so, thing. You, yeah, good thing got I her got her. To, yeah. I always say I got her when I was poor. It's fantastic. It's the best <laughs> that could have ever happened. So you've done a bunch of companies. Uh, Kalo's really hit it off. You have philanthropic stuff. You're, you're segmenting out your day. There's a lot of areas where I think we continue to talk on, but I want to kind of finish it up with this idea of as Kalo has grown, when did you know it was... Um, when did you know it was okay for you to shift and collaborate on different businesses? 
you know, when did you know that Kalo was in a trajectory? Did you have a team that you felt really comfortable that's running Kalo that you can now be a part of these other companies like Common Thread or other ones? When did you know that was okay? Oh, uh, I mean, I've never been, I've, I've always been that way. I've always been like, um, very multitask oriented. So there wasn't a time where it just became like, okay, well now Kalo's at this point, so it's okay to do this. I think what we did and a lot of the vertical integration that Kalo led to, or that kind of came out of Kalo was us seeing people that did amazing work that we knew we couldn't keep, but wanted to be a part of what they were doing as well. So like you bring up Common Thread, Common Thread Collective, an amazing agency um, led by three guys, um, Taylor Holiday, uh, Josh Redarmel. And I mean, <laughs> I would say that the third, Jordan Palmer, you know, he's more known for being the, the QB whisperer. The football guru. Be, yeah, by yeah. being a QB whisperer than, than being a marketing genius. But the guy's, the guy's he's so rock solid between the ears. It's it's ridiculous. Um, so they were a part of Kalo, to be quite frank with you. They helped start Kalo. They were some of that sweat equity. And when they grew to the point where, where there was a clear needed to shift, like, it was either you guys have to come on board and work full time with Kalo or you have to, you need to go and do something of your own. And they very honestly said, we have a vision of our own that we want to do. And so then Casey and I made investments into them and became partners with them on, on their company. And their company has now exploded in its own right. I mean, the stuff that they do is, is next level uh, digital. I mean, they're a digital agency, but they build content. They do all these crazy things. So, I mean, Common Thread is just kind of an example of how we wanted to vertically integrate, but instead of absorbing them, we kind of invested in them and let them go outsource and do their own thing. And we still work with them to this day, but they now have, I mean, man, they were like two people in a room and now they're like 40 or something ridiculous. Right. They're, they're enormous. And so they're, you found good people as your business has grown and then- Human being and factors like everything to me. Everything is the human being factor because if, again, face-to-face, -face, uh, do I like you? Do I want to do business with you? Do I want to sit down and have dinner with you? Do I, is, are you somebody that I want to have lunch, even want to have lunch with? You know, like who do I get? Uh, the, I guess the, the, the one gift that I can give myself at this point is that I get to choose who I work with a lot of the time. So you get to choose the people and you get to vet them in a way like, I mean, like you, uh, a perfect example. Like I'm only here today because it's you. Right, well, like well, because I know kind of the type of dude you are, the human being that you are. I know what's important to you. I know that our values mesh. I know, you know, everything. I mean, that's why we. I mean, for those of you that don't know, Jason was, to be quite frank, our first ambassador, and the first person that we wanted to actually allow to represent the Kalo brand. Um, and you were the first person we did any, I, I paid a cent to actually, and we don't pay people to wear the ring, and we didn't pay you to wear the ring. We paid you to do like, you know to be, to do photo shoots with us and things like that. But I mean, like that's the key. The key is the human factor. You got to work with people that you love, people that you respect, people that, you know, you aspire to be like, that aspire to be like you. They're part of that commitment is contagious mentality. You know, you want to be around people that are like-minded individuals and that's what you were. And so it, it still holds true to this day for me. Like the biggest thing I can do is try to work with people that I think are great human beings because you're going to fight you're going to fight, you know, you're like, you're not going to agree on everything, but if you're all coming from the same place of the greater good, then you're going to win. And I think that's why Casey and I have been great partners over the year 
that's why I respect him so much. Um, hopefully he respects me the same, but no matter how much we disagree with things and there's been fights, you know, about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. But he's such a great human being that if we, and if I try to be the same great human being, we always get over it and we always push on for the greater good. So anyways, I love that. that. Well, Hey, I could talk to you for hours, but I know you got to go. Uh, I'm going to go fish uh, with Kaden. What's your thing? Yeah, your dude, thing is the fishing okay, thing. Dude, we were well, in Hawaii. Kaden, dude, you're fishing. You had a boat that went in Hawaii too. Yeah, Kaden loves the fish, so I'm going to go take him. But I got a question for you. Where could people find out more about your companies, about you? Where could people find you? Oh, man. Um, so I am not on social media. Right. Uh, I'm not an Instagram guy. Um, that's just not my thing. Um People find out about me by seeing, sitting down with me, oh, honestly. Go- so Google Ted Baker. Yeah, don't Google Can- Ted Baker. You'll get a great designer. <laughs> that will do you no good. Oh, uh, I mean, you, I, the greatest thing about me is I have the ability to stay completely hidden yeah, because- in so many ways because Ted Baker is such a common, it's not even my real name, it was just my stage name, but it is literally the, you know, you Google Ted Baker and you get all this other stuff. But uh, I mean, you can find out about Kalo at Kalo.com. You can find out about um, all the other great things. I mean, the other companies that we're part of and that we've, you know, whether... Uh, some of them, you know, whether it's, I don't want to start listening I, I to could, stuff. I could, I could link all these. So, uh, guys, check out Kalo. They make an awesome product, m- multiple yeah. products, actually. Yeah, and the new stuff is going great, actually. The stuff for the dogs and babies is killing it. Oh, dude. It's, it's great. It's killing it. So, and check out, check out JasonKaliba.com while you're oh, at it. Oh, my God. All right, guys. <laughs> well, have a great day. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>